Hi, this is Gurusee Singh and you're listening to my Thick Accent podcast. So for the ones who are following the podcast, know that we shatter stereotypes and break the molds on this podcast. All that society has sold. We believe in the power of diverse voices and unique stories that challenge the status quo and leave us in awe. And today, we have the privilege of introducing a guest who embodies the spirit of breaking barriers and reaching new heights. She's a purpose-driven leader with a wealth of global experience and a relentless drive to defy expectations. From the start, her journey has been nothing but ordinary. With a trailblazing career spanning progressive roles in digital cards, payments and customer centricity, she has become a thoughtful leader in her field, consistently pushing boundaries and initiating groundbreaking initiatives. She moved across towns, cities and countries and worked across geographies, and when it was time for her to make a life-changing decision, she gave up a flourishing corporate career, changed strides and immigrated to Canada all alone, with no family, no friends and no social equity, just in pursuit of her dream and listening to the audacity of her hopes. Please welcome Shruti Avasti. so much gracias for that phenomenal introduction and trust me i couldn't have done that better myself so thank you so much <laughs> awesome very great start to the episode thank you for saying that so let me start by asking you shruti tell me what's that one habit that you have adopted that has changed your life in the answer lies in the question itself um mm-hmm. i started i studied science for the most part of my life and Mm-hmm. I would say adaptation to natural circumstances is the one ability that can really, really help you. Whether you move countries, you change careers, or you change your role yeah. as a person while you take your adolescence and you move across your life stages, the ability to adapt and to survive well in circumstances will really, really keep you alive. I would say, hundred mm, percent. I can't agree more. So I always ask my guests, you know, to take us back to the time where you were born. You also tell us a little bit about your formative years and what the focus was on growing up and also when was the first time you heard about Canada. Amazing. Yes, so I come from a quintessential middle class family born and brought up in the northern part of India from a very small city, a well not that small. It's the capital of Uttar Pradesh called Lucknow. Uh, okay. The good thing about my upbringing was that both of my parents were working, both of my parents were highly educated and highly revered for the social work that they were doing in their communities and the intellectual mm-hmm. splendor that they had but while i was growing up there was always this conflict of what i wanted to be and what the larger society minus my own family and my close friends mm-hmm. uh, expected out of a woman right yeah. so while i was growing up inside the four confines of the walls of the house it was always like focus on your career focus on your studies you have to be financially independent while as soon as mm-hmm. i stepped out the focus was oh you are a girl so do you learn household chores do you know how to cook how to clean how to take care yeah. of your brothers and i thought that while i was growing up there was this inner voice that always used to tell me it is good to be playing the supportive character in a lot of stories for people that are around you but yeah. you are the main character of the story of your life so Absolutely. you should be able to pursue things that 
are meaningful for you. And I think I was very fortunate again to be born to parents who never saw me as a girl child. They just saw me as a child full of potential. Mm-hmm. And the way we were raised, like all three of us have two younger siblings as well, was you are uniquely you, pursue whatever makes sense for you and be a good human being. I think that was the basic foundation for everything that was done and taught in our house. Mm-hmm. So I picked up a career, like I said, I studied science for most part of my life. I graduated in biochemistry and bio honors. And then I decided to flip careers to MBA uh, just in the pursuit of making money. Because I think at that point in time, um, the situation of the house was my father was the only earning member. My mother had given up her career because of a Mm -hmm. few complications. And it was incumbent because when you aren't raised with the barrier of being the girl child, you immediately take responsibilities of, oh, who's going to be the next earning member of the family? How do I contribute yeah. to the whole family income? And an MBA was the easiest choice. So I, I studied really, really hard. I went into IMT Ghazibad and landed a good corporate career with GE. And I hmm. think it was with GE for the first time when I got the opportunity to move countries is when I started looking at the world map and the whole idea of, okay, somebody like me and from my own humble beginnings and background can really yeah. make a career abroad. I think that's when the first time the whole thing about Canada, about Europe, about Northern America really started surfacing as a part of my life. Hmm. And you talked about, you know, how you were asked to fit in that societal norms of how a girl should be. Is that why you call yourself the black sheep of the family? I would say so, yes, because <laughs> even till today, like given that it's my fifth career, it's my fifth country where I'm working, right? And I've switched yeah. careers and I've I have this ability and I've proven myself time and time again in different professional roles and different personal roles as well. The first question that my relatives still ask me is, oh, have you learned cooking? Like who cooks when you're working all the time in Canada or who is managing the house? Like the questions Mm -hmm. never changed, even though so much in the world has changed around me. So, you know, in an interview, you also mentioned that uh, when you were younger, you were in your high school, you know, you have your parents as your mentor, you have your teachers, and sometimes, you know, your teachers help you sometimes find your calling. But when you graduate, you go out of your college, and then you have, you actually lack of people who can mentor you. But I want to ask you that, what did you do at that in that situation? If somebody is listening to that might be into the similar situation, and who did you turn to for those questions? Oh, that's an awesome question. And there are so many layers to it. And you rightfully hit the nail on the head when you said, when we are growing up, we have a whole support system because that's the way the Indian society is constructed. The moment you step out of college, people suddenly assume that you should know what you want to do, where you are at, and what is your future going to look like. And let me tell you, 15 years into the workforce, I still don't know where it is going to end, right? It is so (laughs) difficult to predict your own future, forget alone, understanding things. And so, yes, I would say finding a tribe of people who might not have the right answers, but can help you frame the right questions, Hmm. being curious and being able to experiment with a lot of different things. And being that relentless pursuit of not settling in has really helped me in my career. Hmm. So I might not be surrounded by people who can give me advice because let me tell you, both of my parents were into government positions. 
I was okay. the first one who wanted to have Karyan in the private sector. And so there was nobody who could give me advice on how to ask for a promotion because that is not the way it works in the government sector, right? You write yeah. a bunch of exams and you're promoted basis for maturity, basis your tenure with the organization. In the private sector, it's all about spotting the spotting the opportunities, spotting the talent, finding mentors, finding sponsors, right? So it was a whole mm-hmm. different ballgame. And especially when you move countries, you lose your social equity, you lose the social safety net that you've created for yourself. Yeah. So I think every time I move and step into a new role or a new country, it's A, finding like-minded people who have been through the same journey as yourself, Absolutely. but people who are not bitter by those experiences, but are trying to better themselves. And when mm. you surround yourself with people like that, the conversation itself changes into one from being a victim of all of this rather than the one where you want to be the change maker and you want to make lives of others better. And that has been super helpful for me all the time. And like you said, they those people might not give you the answers, but they would help you frame the right questions. And I think I'm a big believer of this. And I'll, I've said this so many times in the podcast. It's not about having the right answers. It's about asking the right questions. That's what matters. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, again, one thing which is a cultural conditioning, especially in Southeast Asia, is yeah. don't ask too many questions, right? Like, if when you are in doubt, you just somehow magically should find the answer and don't yeah. have difficult conversations with people. Um, I think I would like to challenge that notion. I believe that unless and until you ask uncomfortable questions, the situation will never be comfortable enough for you to grow. Yeah. Hmm. And like, you know how in India, they all, whenever those questions come their way, they always say, our parents sometimes say that this is how it has been all these years. This is how it's going to be. But I think we millennials, I think, uh, especially, I think we have got exposed to the world, so much of the world because of the internet that we keep on questioning these norms and beliefs that were instilled in us growing up. And those are not liked by every person who is around us. You're so right. I think, um, again, um, taking in something from my training as a science student, yeah. there are two concepts. The first one that we already talked about is Darwin's theory of sustainability, right? And yeah. adaptability. That is when you are able to adapt continuously to be to be able to ensure that you are growing and you are not only growing, you're actually thriving. And yeah. the second is this whole concept of escape velocity. For all of us who have studied science, we know that Earth has a certain gravity, right? Mm-hmm. So for anybody to pull through a rocket throughout and across the Earth's atmosphere, you need a force that is stronger than gravity. I like and that, that force yes. is called escape velocity. Hmm. And I think the whole idea of reinventing yourself, the whole idea of replanting yourself in different parts of the world is around escape velocity. And escape velocity is nothing but actually the ability to challenge conventional thoughts, ideas, and beliefs that are not wrong. They're not wrongly intentioned, right? Mm-hmm. But will never help you grow to become the best potential that you can be. Mm-hmm. And so how uncomfortable are you in your current environment to be able to say, hey, mom and dad, I know that you love me and you're coming in from a place of wanting security for me. But what if security is not something that is meaningful? Yeah. Am I able to challenge that? Hmm. without hurting people around yourself there is so much of it that you can do if only you're able to express what is it that you want yeah i think you have 
articulated it perfectly shruti and i love that it kind of reminds me of my story a little bit because i'm also the first one in my family who uh did not even touch the family business and i'm also the first one who got into the journalism and mass comm field and nobody in my family has ever heard about that before and then coming to canada and doing advertising and marketing were also very new for everybody so i completely understand what you meant there so yeah and you know i'm so glad that you did right yeah. because if you hadn't come to this part of the world we would never be talking today about so many issues that are so prevalent yeah. so i'm so glad that you did what you did Absolutely I always say that I am so glad I made the decision and I'm definitely a better version of myself what I was like maybe 5 years ago and that's what you need in a life to consistent growth and an improvement and so I also asked you when was the first time you heard about Canada growing up so I actually did read about Canada as a country like when you look at the globe you know where Canada yeah. is and every time i would look at it and i would always think in my head oh my god that's going to be a freezing point right mm. like that place <laughs> is nothing less than a freezer but i would flip the question to the point where the first time i started thinking about exploring canada i think this was somewhere around 2015 2016 I had already done favorable stints across India, Thailand, Singapore mm-hmm. and by then I was like okay so coming back to India is not really an option by love is at Singapore finishing off my project with G and I was like where else can I go and that is when uh, one of my very close friends she moved to the US to study aeronautical engineering at Northwestern and i was like okay i don't have that kind of money again <laughs> um but where is it that i can actually move without having to invest half of my parents life savings and can still have a meaningful employment and that's when the f- that was the first time i actually looked at canada as a potential option you said that india is not a viable option to come back to why did you say that oh i know i'm going to get so much flack for saying that <laughs> but honestly it's not it's not only the work culture like the work culture is definitely different in that part of the world and rightfully so because of the different constraints that we are operating in right it's not that regulated there's a large yeah. uh, population that we need to cater to it's a huge market unlike canada right so not only the work culture but the whole idea of commuting 2 hours to and fro to the work hmm. so even if you work for 7 hours you're still actually working for the next 3 hours because you're commuting to and off from the work so you're never really off the hook the whole mm-hmm. thing about the pollution the air quality right mm-hmm. i don't know if you have ever felt going back from here to there i really really get scared even crossing a one way street in india now on foot i cannot do mm. that i need somebody to hold my hand to make sure that they look both ways while i cross my street <laughs> and there are very small things like that like i don't want to be nitpicky there are so many good things about india and everybody that i love dearly in my life still lives there i would still visit it but given an option why would you not choose to be at a place that gives you better infrastructure better work life balance better yeah. quality of life and standard mm-hmm. when you have a choice yeah Okay. So how long did it take you to come to Canada? How was the process for you like? To be very candid, it took me from the day I finished my application to the day I actually got stamped for my landing here, it was yeah. straight 5 months. 
And I never could imagine because I was not mentally prepared for it to be this fast and efficient, right? So I Mm. did a soft landing in 2017, but the first time I actually packed my bags and sold off everything in my apartment in Mumbai was in 2018. So, but, but you landed in Canada in 2020, November. Yes. So I did a bunch of short landings. Like in 2018, I came here for like two months, understood the culture, made some connections, Mm. went back. Because again, like I said, I was not mentally prepared completely to be uprooting again and to come here with packed bag and baggage. So when you finally landed in November 2020, tell me about your first day. What was going on in your mind? Oh my God. A, it was not the best timing in the world to come to Canada in November 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic where people are not going to their offices. They don't know what is happening to their roles and their profiles in the organization. And here you are, a completely newcomer, knocking their doors, aka LinkedIn or their Mm -hmm. Gmail, or just reaching out to people randomly for a coffee chat. like. It was mm-hmm. a 10% response rate to all of my invitations for an informational interview. And I think the biggest challenges that I faced after coming here were not something that I experienced in 2017 when I was here for a seven-day visit, not in 2018 when I was there for a two-month visit, because mm-hmm. at that time, I was really trying to understand, okay, what's the culture? I was traveling across, right? But mm-hmm. November 2020... I packed my bags and baggage from Dubai. I moved here for good. And I was like, this is my do and die, Christopher Columbus moment. right? <laughs> and that's when it hit me so hard, Gurasi, is that it is extremely difficult for any newcomer to get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And I still get very emotional talking about it. But for the benefit of everybody who's listening, I do want to tell them that if your global experience is invalidated, you're not alone. If mm-hmm. they tell you that you're overqualified and you feel inadequate, you are not alone. If they get really intrusive and ask you, are you here for good? Are you going to stay in Canada? You are not alone. And then last mm-hmm. but not the least and the most unfortunate part, if they question your identity and tell you to anglicize your name or to do anything with your resume, you are not alone. I've gone through the four phases of identity crisis that I just mentioned. And as sad as it is for us to be talking about it in 2023, it does exist. Mm -hmm. But also what exists is a way to counter attack that and Mm -hmm. a way for you to prove to everybody else, including yourself, that all of these bottlenecks are not going to hold you back. Mm You know, you, you listening you saying all this, uh, uh, Shruti, it reminds me of that that poem that you wrote, which was called, you know, Yes, I'm an Immigrant. And I would like to read an excerpt from it for my listeners. And it started with, Yes, I'm an immigrant, a person of color. Oh, you don't have to remind me through your demeanor. A person who thought of building a home away from home in a place where my spirits could live high and free to roam. My skin looks different and so is my accent. Is that enough to cause so much dissent? And then you ended by saying that all that we ask in return is not love, that would be good, but kindness and compassion. Because even though I may look different, I have similar dreams, fears and passion. And I 
Shruti, when I read it, I absolutely loved it. And we did talk, you know, briefly about the anecdotes that how immigrants are perceived in this new world. I want to tell us more about some of those anecdotes, if you have, and, and also the story behind this poem. Oh, for sure. So like you rightfully mentioned, I actually wrote that about a year ago. But yeah. the seeds of writing that poem were sown when I was reaching out to a lot of recruiters. And this is, again, way back in December 2020. I'm a newly landed immigrant, zero social equity, just trying to prove to others that there is a vast knowledge of global experience that I carry. And I, that would be really yeah. helpful, just given where our current ecosystem around financial services lie in this country today. And I was reaching out to recruiters and there's this really reputed one. Um, and I was not getting through even the first stage. You know how when you apply to a role, it yeah. is read by ATS. Yeah. And I was not even getting shortlisted for roles like an associate product manager or a product manager just mm-hmm. given how starkly different it is, because in my previous position, I was like associate vice president, vice president, product head, right? Wow. So for me yeah. to even apply for these roles was a compromise in itself. And to add insult to injury, imagine that you're not even getting shortlisted for those roles. So I reached out to this recruiter and he was very candid, I would say, in telling me that, you know, Shruti, I think the one thing that we could try on is if you are able to anglicize your name, we should be sending those applications in and just look at the response. Mm-hmm. As insulting as that was, I was like, okay, let me do it as a social experiment. And I told him, yeah. I said, my name is my identity because I don't know how do people take or keep kids' names in this part of the world. In the part of the world and the culture that I come from, your name is associated with a meaning. And that yeah. meaning is really really important to your parents so they name us after either somebody that they look up to live up to or the name has some cosmic vibration that is really meaningful for them so i'm not going to change my name but just for the sake of this experiment let's do this and i applied for four product manager positions and i got interview calls for all of them just by anglicizing my first name no way i don't believe that i was like wow this is so not fair. And the second thing what happened was I took it a step further and I actually went and interviewed for those roles. And as we we don't talk about microaggressions and subconscious bias so much, uh, Gurasis, you wouldn't believe at the end of my interviews, more often than not, people would say, well, your English is really, really good. We didn't expect it. <laughs> and I was like, what the yeah. hell did you expect? I come from a country where we study English from day one, like you do. So I don't know what your expectation was. Mm -hmm. So that was what the laying foundation for this poem was. The other reason why I wrote this poem was exactly a year ago, I was assigned and nominated and elected as the co-chair for an employee network within CIBC Mm -hmm. that highlights causes associated with international professionals who migrate to Canada. It's called International Professional Network. And that was the day I actually took Rain as a co-chair along with my awesome co-chair Dhawal Vedia. And that was the day I decided I'll write this poem as my introductory note to the 3,000 mm. member base that we have within CIPC. Mm. No, I, I think it's beautiful. When I read that, I was like, okay, this is resonating with me and it's going to resonate with every immigrant that comes to this country. And so you did talk about the things that you actually held your ground to, but there must be things, Ruti, where 
and I also read that in one of your posts, you said that I unlearned, relearned, and sharpened the saw. What did you mean by that? Oh, so yes. I would say as much as we like to talk about things like invalidation, inadequacy of your professional experience, identity crisis, there are things that you need to learn when you move to a different country, right? There's mm-hmm. an old saying that do as Romans do when you are in Rome. So when you dis- do decide and you consciously choose to move to a different part of the world, we ask, and I personally think it's, it's easier for you if you try to understand their culture and the place that they are coming from. Yeah. Not everybody is coming from a place of ill intention. Not everybody is trying to hook you down. Absolutely. So yeah. just, you know, opening ourselves to understanding the culture of the place that we are intentionally choosing to. And then also educating others on your own culture can actually help you bridge the biases that we face in our workplace or in our social lives today. And yeah. that's what exactly I meant. Like You have to unlearn a few things that are culturally okay for you. You have to relearn a few things that you want to reinforce. And then you have to completely learn something new to be able to survive and thrive in a new atmosphere. So are there any new cuisines that you tried for the first time here in Canada? Oh, so much. Like Canada is almost like New York. It's like a melting pot of cosmopolitan culture. I think the first time I ever tried Eastern African food, if you have not tried, you're missing something big in life. Just saying it out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> you should try Eastern African food. You should try you should try the food from south of France, which I was like, okay, I've eaten in French restaurants. And they said, no, it's nothing like the food that they serve in south of France, which is French Riviera. So I've tried that cuisine. I've also tried Ghanaian cuisine. And it is almost Mm -hmm. similar to Indian, but it has its own unique flavors. A lot of that, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think, okay, I think I'm going to add that to my list for sure. Next one would be the African food. Yeah. Just coming back to our topics earlier, we were talking about, you know, the migration and pursuing dreams in a new country can be daunting, like we spoke about. Can you share like some uh, lessons or any like maybe uh, like your top three lessons you learned along your journey that could inspire and empower others that who might be going through the similar transitions of coming to Canada and having this tons of experience and not getting recognized for all that you have done? Perfect, for sure. So my first lesson is you are uniquely yourself mm-hmm. unless and until you celebrate yourself and you stick to who you are people will not be able to give you the respect that you deserve yeah so create an atmosphere where you can celebrate who you are and what you bring to the table never let anybody underestimate the value So, Mm -hmm. and this I'm saying with context when you apply for different jobs, right? Because migration is hard. What is harder is to prove yourself to a whole new set of people. Yeah. So there might be people who would tell you you're not good enough, but you don't have to take every single opinion. It's a sea out there and a single wave should not change the conviction that you hold within yourself. 100%. Point number one. Then second lesson that I have learned a very, very hard way is People are people and people are emotional and people need and love stories. 
if you're mm-hmm. able to connect the dots, if you're able to find one resonation point with everybody that you meet, soon you will be able to create your social equity in no time. And with social equity comes the psychological safety that you are being taken care of. There are people to have your back. There are people who will motivate you. There are people who are there to sponsor you, right? But mm-hmm. all that it requires is for you to resonate with others. And sometimes, Gurasis, I have faced this as I mentor a lot of people as well. Yeah. As much as interested you are you in sharing your own story with the world, please be open and be a good listener when somebody else is sharing their story with you. Hmm. Because if you cannot be a good listener, you will not be in a position to create that bridge between the two people. Mm-hmm. And it's all about connections. It's all about relationships. It's all about who do you know? Because as they say in this part of the world, your network is your net worth. Absolutely. And that yeah. is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And I think the third point is more coming in from a philosophical lens. Is sure. everything... what is happening in your life you even if something is not making sense today life is not supposed to make sense when you're moving forward life mm-hmm. is always making sense when you look back and you're able to connect the dots mm-hmm. so believe in the power of the universe believe in whatsoever higher power you believe in and always believe the fact that whatever is happening today as difficult as it is it is going to give you a either enormous growth in your life or mm-hmm. it is going to expand your perspective or it is going to help somebody else that you don't think of today hmm and every experience if you are able to just absorb it with a lot of gratitude i think your life becomes much more better love that and just to sum it up for my audience uh, listeners i would say the first is you are your unique self and the second is tell your story and listen to the others as well and third of course everything that happens in your life is preparing you for something bigger and just keep moving on and things will fall in place for sure that's absolutely beautiful thank you Okay so Shruti you did talk about mentorship so so throughout your journey Shruti I've noticed that you know wherever I have read I noticed that mentorship has played a major role in your life where you have been on the both sides of the spectrum you have been a mentee and now you are a mentor for skills for change you are also the peer mentor for Toronto Region Immigrant Employment Council tell us about all those roles that you do now Oh absolutely and I think it is my honor and privilege to validate the good work that all of these different organizations are doing for newcomers and more so for people who need support as they try to make Canada their home. Mm-hmm. So I am a big believer in giving back to the community. I'm a big believer in inclusive leadership and paying it forward. and mm-hmm. as leaders in whatever capacity we are today gracias like you don't need to be a vice president to become a leader you can be a yeah. leader because you're thinking like a leader and you're trying to grow others right it's all about mm-hmm. the mindset i think our role as leaders and as somebody who is now fairly established in this new part of the world is to make sure that whosoever is coming after us is not able 
to face the same challenges that we did, is able mm-hmm. to lead a better life than we did. And that can only happen if we extend our arm to the person who's trying to climb the huge mountain called immigration today. Yeah. And so with whatever time that is left out of my day job and my hobbies, I do make sure that I at least mentor two people every month. And that mm-hmm. was the reason I became the co-chair within CIBC for IPN. That is the reason I am right now mentoring three people mm-hmm. under myself. Um, there is a person from Triac, there's a person from Ascent Canada, and I'm also mentoring somebody that I just met out of a social connection. And there is a beauty when you are try when you are trying to give back. And with whatever your effort is, there is an impact to the life of somebody else. Yeah. Like, I just cannot describe to you the joy that you see in somebody's life when they come back to you and they say, oh, that advice that you gave me or that connection that you made or that email Mm -hmm. that you wrote sponsoring me has really made a huge difference in my life. And like I said earlier, your network is going to be your psychological safety. So Mm. the more you can give back, the more voices you're creating who would be in your favor come a situation you require that. Hmm. No, for sure. I think those, all the people that you are mentoring right now, I'm sure they are in great hands and they're going to come out even more empowered and more strong and equipped with information to tackle the things that come their way. But, you know, I think, uh, Shruti, I feel like I am also like, coming at a stage in my career where, you know, I'm soon to be a mentor my, in my professional work as well. And I would like to know more about this one line you said that mentoring is my soul food. And contrary to what one might think, I end up learning more than my mentees. Please expand on that. Yes, I think, uh, again, this is a constricted worldview that when I am mentoring somebody, they are at the receiving end and I'm at the giving end. I think yeah. in my journey so far, I have learned far more from my mentees than I've been ever able to contribute. And I say this very, very humbly because when you talk to them and you are trying to listen to their stories and the challenges that they have faced and how they are trying to overcome it, there is a power in how resilience works for people. There is a power mm-hmm. in which you can identify in other people's stories, ideas and skills and thoughts and perspectives that no one person can think all by themselves. So mm-hmm. every time I mentor somebody, I am getting enriched because they are sharing their experiences with me. They are sharing their perspectives, their thoughts, their dreams, their passions, their desires with me. And that is fuel enough for me to go out in the world and actually create a difference, not only in my day job, but in my community, in my social interactions, Mm -hmm. because that is just the power of good vibe and good energy that you surround yourself with. I'm also curious to know about story behind your banner image, you know, on your LinkedIn, which is the flames in the background and the text on it says, follow your dreams. They know the way. Tell us about that. Oh my God, I, you have done your bit of research. I, I have to give it to you. Uh, <laughs> I have good sources, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, that was, my, that was my background for the longest time in my bedroom wall as well. Um, oh, wow. So follow your dreams, they know the way is something that my mother always used to say this to me. And I think what a better day than today being Mother's Day. Of course, yeah. To pay a special tribute to the most 
important and influential person in my life. So mm-hmm. my mother, like I told you earlier, that I was brought up during a time where not many women were given the option to study in a hostel. Not many options were given the choice to decide where their career has to be. Not many women were given the choice of moving countries without being married because it's usually like, get married, let your husband take you wherever he wants to. Like, it's never the woman's decision. Mm-hmm. So this is something that my mother used to constantly tell me. She was like, follow your dreams. And I was like, but mom, I don't have all the answers. Like I can dream about anything, right? Like given all the ammunition that you've given me, but I don't know where am I going to land? And she said, why are you worried about the landing? Hmm. Why are you so much worried about the destination? Just enjoy the journey and you will land exactly where you are supposed to land. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole story. And I found this quote on on online as well, which is like, follow your dreams, they know the way. Because we stop ourselves from taking the first step as people because we are not sure where that hundredth step is going to land, right? But I say, take the first step, the second step, take the third one, and you will land exactly where you were meant to land. Hmm. And so there is no fear in pursuing your dreams because there is a higher power. Like, again, this could get really philosophical, but I believe that there's a higher power that is nurturing, protective, and loving and will ensure that if you are doing enough good, you will be taken care of. So don't worry about, should I take this first step? Should I reach out to this person for my job interview? Just believe in yourself, believe in your dreams because the whole reason why you are even thinking of an idea, you are even thinking of doing something, is that there is an external force, a very loving force, which wants you to do that, right? Like dreams are creations of your own subconscious mind. So if you're dreaming about something, please do it. And more often than not, you'll be thankful that you took the first step. So follow your dreams. They definitely, most definitely know the way. Okay, Shruti, let's pivot towards your role at CIBC. Tell us about your role there and are there any certain programs or benefits for the newcomers that are coming to Canada? For sure. So at CIBC, you already mentioned my job title. I'm the director for Open Banking Strategy. Now, Open Banking is a new phenomena in banking across the globe. And there are markets that are ahead of us. So when I talk about markets like UK, European Union, Australia, Brazil, India, mm-hmm. we have seen the first wave of open banking. Um, and what it basically means is giving the power back in the hands of the consumer. So as a consumer, I would be able to share my financial data with any mm-hmm. third party application without using my credentials. So that's the technological definition of open banking. Um, How my role is so unique in itself is because it's an enterprise-wide program, I not only deal with my team on a day-to-day basis, I actually talk to every other team in the bank, whether that's technology, that's technology operations, that's risk, fraud, vendor management, procurement, outsourcing, frontline, branches, call centers, Mm -hmm. the central strategy team, the product teams, the lines of businesses, the client strategy team. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. um, this comes across while I talk is I really, really love meeting people. I love listening to their perspectives. So the role is really exciting because I get to talk to all of these different teams within CIBC and 
together we are trying to figure out what is the best foot forward because it's definitely a new thing so being at the cusp of technology customer experience and innovation is something that really fuels me as a professional and i couldn't have asked for a better role um to play now the way cibc is trying to empower its communities is a by way of having these employee networks we have 10 active employee networks today Uh, mm-hmm. IPN is one of them that I've already mentioned, and we have more than three thousand members and increasing. And there's a lot of activity, events, and initiatives that we do for our CIBC employees. Like we do a lot of executive mentoring sessions and speed mentoring sessions. We do networking coffee chats where we call senior leadership, and we mm-hmm. allow our members to have a conversation with them about the most pressing issues. We also have lunch and learns we have trainings mm-hmm. we have recently launched national mentorship program and where we got an overwhelming response like 900 people have signed up to be mentors and mentees within wow. the organization right because i would say to be at any place in your life you need a coach and a mentor and a sponsor like the trio the golden triangle will take you to places the coach will help you hone skills in your current job the mentor will prepare you for the next step in your life and the sponsor will actually get you there mm-hmm. so at ipn and across the ibc i think all of these three pillars are strongly supported you know this sounds very fascinating but i have another question like since you perform all these events and you are part of all these you are the director there and you being in that role can you tell me that how embracing the diverse perspectives and breaking those traditional molds has positively impacted the organization not only this one maybe the previous ones also that you have worked with yes for sure i mean like i said if there's a table and you have diverse voices you have different mm-hmm. perspectives coming out right and so when we think about a business problem in business context sometimes our vision gets very myopic and yeah. very concentric right mm-hmm. so the more voices you have the more different solutions you are thinking about and i love this world called brainstorming we <laughs> yeah. try to create that space where you are able to defend your idea and i think the power lies in the idea having the merit so if your idea has the merit no matter where it comes from which different part of the business or different business unit mm-hmm. we should be able to act on the idea so the whole conversation around why should organizations be more diverse a mm-hmm. if you only had canadians in all the canadian organizations not everybody is well read and well informed so you wouldn't know what's happening across the globe mm-hmm. and because consumer behaviors are changing very very rapidly and there is this new influx of technology and ai and machine learning there is an increasingly amount of chance that somebody in other part of the world has already solved the problem that you are trying to solve and then why reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. like why yeah. can't you just derive the best practices from other parts of the world or other communities and just try and replicate them of course in your own personal context right mm-hmm. and so that's where diversity of teams having different voices letting people share their thoughts without fearing retaliation or silent mm. abjection is really really important absolutely and i think it also happens in terms of understanding the pain points right like 
as an immigrant you can understand the pain points of somebody coming from a certain culture or understanding the pain points of people from the marginalized communities which might not be understandable by canadians so that's exactly i feel like you know you are promoting it and kudos to you more power to you and i feel more i hope that of course things are changing but i feel like there's still a long way to go but i hope more and more organizations welcome the diverse uh, groups into the organizations and i think it's going to benefit them for sure if they really think uh the bigger picture it's going to help them bring out the perspectives which they have never ever thought about before well i'm so glad you mentioned that because as an individual and as a business professional as well when you look at canada right as a country yeah. the whole country right now is predicated on immigration mm-hmm. you need immigrants to bring certain skill sets which are lacking in our economy today right yeah. so for a country like canada i think diversity of thought and action becomes even more imminent because your demographic is changing very very rapidly Absolutely. every year you're adding hundreds and thousands of immigrants into the mix so the consumer behaviors are also getting more and more complex and they are getting skewed you don't see the normal distribution curve when you talk about consumer behaviors in heat maps today because guess what now it is not 99% canadian now it is 70% canadian and 30% immigrants yeah. and the mix is going to change even more rapidly in the coming years so unless and until you have representation from underrepresented communities unless and until you have representation from immigrant communities unless and until you have representation from diverse voices what you would be lacking is a really holistic picture of your own demography your own psychography and your own consumers Yeah. And that is not good for any business, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. You know, I was having speaking to somebody on the podcast and an episode is coming out soon and she was saying that when she was she worked like for a decade for the marginalized communities and and for the providing resources and some toolkits to them when they come to Canada. And she was telling me that when they were preparing a website like a healthcare website for Calgary uh 101 they were working on something and she said the the language that was written on the website was so complex that yes it was english but it still would not be understood by somebody who speaks indian english and she was telling me that she fought to make sure that language is simple enough so that it can be understood by the immigrants who are coming to canada and if she would have not said that the people who would be coming to the country would be so lost and would be completely alien about the language or the services that was provided by that certain organization so these tiny tiny examples are so necessary and th- th- these are tiny but yet make a huge impact for the survival of somebody who's coming to the country for the first time oh for sure so i would like to highlight so craft foods did a really really cool campaign i think two months ago where at every craft foods peanut butter packaging they actually wrote in the vernacular languages of different nationalities oh wow and i thought that was so empowering and so different right because that just gives me that you as a service provider or a product or a service provider you are thinking about the communities that you're serving you're thinking yeah. about the consumers and their diverse backgrounds and you're not only understanding us you're all in a way celebrating us right yeah Absolutely I love that. I would love to look into those campaigns. I would love to see the Crafts Foods ones for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So Shruti you are also an advocate for 
women's empowerment and you have been involved in various initiatives and organizations that support women's advancement so i would like you to share some of the impactful work you have done obviously you al- already mentioned you know while co-leading the international professionals network at cibc but you're also being a council member of the wiki which stands for the women's indian chamber of commerce and industry india business council tell us about that yeah for sure So my foray into the whole women empowerment like I mentioned started way back when I was a child. I think it helps to be raised by a mother who's very strong and independent herself because mm. then you grow up to be a strong and independent female with a voice of your own and yeah. an identity that is not seeking validation from somebody else. Um so I actually started something called Women in Workforce. It's a Facebook community way back in 2013. We still have 1500 very active members mm-hmm. and why and this was while I was in India and the whole purpose of that particular Facebook page back then and the community back then was to provide some tools and resources and hard data when it comes to negotiating your job title or your job role at work and what are the what are some things around financial literacy and financial empowerment some small small things that you can do to make sure that you save for a rainy day so my mm-hmm. journey into women empowerment and talking about roles of women in organizations yeah. started way back like i would say 10 years ago today and i'm completely dating myself but that's fine it's for a good cause <laughs> um here in canada what i've seen is and the the number doesn't surprise me at all we don't have many female ceos mm-hmm. in canada forget female ceos most of the positions of power in our political environment is also headed by men and that behooves the question is if most of the money is in the hands of men who is listening to the voices of the women right mm mm-hmm. because we hear voices where the money is so women might be the end customer they make a lot of purchasing decisions mm-hmm. but are they the end consumer for a lot of our products and services so to counter that wiki was formed way back in 2015 as an international organization and i'm very very proud to be a part of not only its india chapter i've just recently joined the canadian chapter as well where we mm-hmm. talk about four pillars within the organization one is banking and credit because women opening their bank account and owning their own credit card and owning their own financial security is mm-hmm. something that doesn't come easily to most women across the globe The second pillar is around partnerships. How can we partner with various organizations who are working on it like Google Foundation yeah. and Microsoft Foundation and really cater to women who are not in active employment today because of covid because of their personal situation things could be so many right The third mm-hmm. pillar of those organization talks about equity and when we talk about equity it's not only equity in representation it's also equity in pay Mm-hmm. Now you would be surprised to see Guras that even in 2023 yeah. women are consistently paid 13% to 25% less than their male counterparts depending on the role across the globe. So for every $1 that a man makes for the same hours of work and for the same position a woman starts by making 75 cents to 67 cents. 
So I think pay parity is a huge issue. And so in my own individual capacity, I do all of this volunteering to make sure that our voices are heard. And there are foundations who now are signing pay parity contracts with their volunteering organization and are trying to make their corporate organizations committed to that. Uh, apart from that, I also do networking circles. So I'm a networking circle leader within CIBC's Women Network as well. And we have some very active members. And our role is to create awareness around such topics within our leadership, within the bank, within the whole ecosystem. And to make sure that more and more women come to the table. Because when we talk about representation and diversity, you cannot be ignoring 50% of the world population. Like if there's one thing where your diversity, inclusion and representation starts, it starts by having more women at the table, <laughs> women with voices and women who don't back down. Yeah. And I think not only having women on the table, also having women at the decision making process, like like yourself, somebody who is a director who has the power to make that decision and making sure that everybody is paid equally, everybody is heard and everybody is 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 considered when making a decision. So I love that. Sounds incredible what you have been doing, uh, Shruti. And if any of our listeners would like to connect with you or join your mission where they can reach out to you. Oh, for sure. So I'm very much accessible on my LinkedIn. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can email me on the email ID on my LinkedIn profile if you want to keep it mm -hmm. like between us. You can also inbox me on my LinkedIn page or else you can reach me out through my CIBC Foundation work. So I'm also listed there as a leader. So yeah, there are so many ways you can reach out to me or you can reach out to any of the organizations that I work with like Ascent Canada, Triac. Skills for change, and I'm sure that they will reach out to me in return. So, to all my listeners, to, links to contact Shruti can be found in the show notes. Okay, Shruti, so now we're in the final segment of the podcast. I call it Beneath the Accent because we are knowing each other beneath the accent. So, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You can answer them in one word or a sentence or however you feel like. The idea is just to know more about Shruti. So, are you ready? Yes, please. You are getting me more nervous than the coffee with Karan. What do they call it? The rapid fire show. <laughs> so first is, what advice would you give to Shruti who is in the initial months of landing in Canada? Don't change your name. You're, you will be remembered by your name. So what's the best piece of advice someone ever gave you? Never give up on your dreams. Is there any worst advice someone ever gave you apart from changing your name? Follow whatever your leader says. Never question your leader. Couldn't okay. be far from wrong. Is this something you recently buy and you now regret? No, not really. I'm a minimalist. So what's the most expensive thing you would like to own? The most expensive thing I would like to own would be a private jet because I'm a traveler at heart. And that would just help me, you know, that would just help me travel the globe and not have to worry about booking tickets and going to the airport and waiting when your flight is canceled. Like my life would be so much better, but I just don't have the money. So if any of the listeners wants to donate, I'm happy to start a GoFundMe page. Okay. So what's the most expensive thing you currently own according to you? I actually own my mom's necklace and I think that's most expensive in terms of the value that it, that it holds for me. Okay. Okay, that was a savory answer. Now tell me what's the most expensive thing you own? <laughs> well, the most expensive thing I actually own is a diamond necklace that my dad gifted me. <laughs> so name three things on your bucket list. The first thing on my bucket list is to start a 
all women side hustle foundation business i'm still trying to think what it would be um the second thing on my bucket list is to take 6 months off and just travel across the globe visit mm. some places that i have not been to and the third thing on my bucket list is to actually stand up for city councilmen or some of those elections um in my own small way to be able mm-hmm. to create a difference because i think that's a really good platform that i would like to understand more about okay very very interesting okay so who's your go to person when you feel stuck my mom so are there any movies shruti that you like to watch again and again oh yes so there is typically hindi movies i would i would mention because of course everybody loves hollywood but i'm a desi at heart um, so am i <laughs> i have grown up watching this movie and i would tell you gurasis every time that i am low and down mm-hmm. these two movies not only motivate me but also perk me up so there is this movie called jojita vahi sikandar it's based on a cycle yes. race um, yeah it's a very old movie that's my go to movie when i'm lacking motivation and inspiration in life okay mm. uh the second movie that i really watch when i'm down and i'm blue is andaz apna apna okay and the third movie that i would want every woman to watch is queen by kangana ranawat because that shows mm. you the power that even a simple girl holds when she decides what she wants in life <laughs> okay i have watched all three and i personally love them as well Oh, amazing! We have similar things. Are there any movies or series that you are currently watching? I'm actually watching The Golden Girls. Um, it's a nineteen late nineteen eighties sitcom. Yeah. About three women who are in their late fifties, and all three of them are single by circumstances, and how they are trying to still live every day to the fullest by introducing humor and compassion and passion in their lives. And I think mm. this is really inspiring for me. So if you could have one superpower what would it be? To be able to read people's mind because people lie. People have become really good liars. Hmm. I would love a window to their soul. Okay. So describe Canada in one word or a sentence. A melting pot of cultures that can still be more inclusive. Hmm. Okay. And finally If you could leave me with one piece of advice what would it be Please continue doing what you're doing you have no idea how many lives it is going to positively impact Perfect thank you thank you Shruti thank you so much for being on the podcast and adding value to my listeners thank you Well the honor and privilege has absolutely been mine because I've been able to validate what hundreds and thousands of newcomers experience so thank you so much for thinking of me Hey listener, thank you for making it to the end. I highly highly appreciate you listening the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't as yet and please share with your friends or anybody you think would like it. And like I always say, we encourage you to follow your heart, but also us on Instagram the handle is mythickaccent. You can also leave us a review or write to us at hello@mythickaccent.com. So stay tuned and let's continue knowing each other beneath the accent.